0: Guys, it is, uh, we had a really good trip. It was fun. Teresa went with the, Wendy and I up to Elkhart yesterday, and we went to Jaime's church up there, and they, just, they had a, an incredible, they had taken their chairs out of their sanctuary and put in tables so that we could uh, be there for service, but also we were going to eat in the same room. Um, and then it was Isaac, who was Jaime's son. He had answered the call to preach, and this was his first message in English. And he had to preach in front of about 10 preachers. (laughs) So he was a little nervous, but he did really, really well. And uh, Jaime gave his testimony. And it's just such a reminder that we need to be a people of prayer. Uh, Jaime's one of his, his older son, Judah. He's actually put out his first Christian music album. They're making, making albums. Isn't that incredible? And so Judah, um, remind me, Ray, I'll get you his links. He sent me stuff too, but Judah sang for us that day, but Judah, He actually had went to the church to pray over his songwriting. And Jaime said when he drove up, he said, and they have this on their camera. They have cameras outside their church. There was a black car and it had painted 666 on the side and they were lighting candles inside the car parked in the church parking lot. When Jaime heard about it, he went over to the church. The car had already left when Judah came in. And then they sat and they prayed for God's protection and God's provision. But it was just a reminder that, There's people that would like to attack and take down even the smallest of things, probably because God wants to do great things. And so we are in a spiritual battle, but Jaime and Abigail and all their kids, I mean, they are working just like crazy to make God's name great there in Elkhart among the Hispanic community. I think there's four or five different countries are represented in their church, and then they fed us four or five different dishes from those countries. It was amazing. But just such a great thing. But if you would, remember Jaime, remember Abigail, uh, Primaria, Iglesia, Libre, I believe is the church there in Elkhart, and we want to pray for their work. Today's message is it's an important doctrine that any time I see it, as we're making our way through a verse, and it's just a little phrase in this passage we've been going through, but I think we need to be reminded of it often. And that, the phrase today is till the day of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Again, we're going to be verses uh, 9 and 10 today. Again, the message is till the day, till the day of Christ. And I know that you, many of you know this in your head. Some of you may have not heard this before. I hope that the Lord will really clarify this for you today. Most of you already know these things. But the scripture is very clear that Jesus is coming again. He will come again. And it's an important truth, and it's an important truth that should guide our behavior and how we live our life. And today, we're going to see how we pray for one another. So we're going to work our way through this important doctrine again this morning uh, till the day of Christ. Let's start by reading verses 9 and 10. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment." That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense or pure and blameless till the day of Christ, till the day of Christ. So as we think about this, I want to get a start. It's a little lengthy illustration, but bear with me. I think it'll help carry the idea and get us on the right track this morning as we think about the Lord's return. I don't have the author for this this morning, so just bear with that too. As we look at Christ's first coming, this coming season, here's a story to help us keep in mind Christ's second coming. In April of 2008, I had to drive to Fort Wayne, Indiana for work, so I went to Enterprise to rent a car. They gave me a big, brand new, comfy Chrysler 300 to drive, and I loved it. In fact, I enjoyed feeling large and in charge so much that I blew right past the first toll booth. You see, I'm not used to stopping for toll booths because I have an EyePass in my own car—a little device that signals I've already prepaid my tolls. Well, after passing the, to- the first toll booth, I thought thought about it. Oh, this car doesn't have an EyePass. But just as I started to worry about it, I thought, well, "This car belongs to the rental car company, not me. So they're probably responsible for any tolls. That must be what your rental money goes toward covering, surely." When I got on 294, I drove past another toll, thinking, even if I am responsible for the tolls, there's only a few tolls between here and Indiana, maybe $4 round trip. I'm sure there's some threshold where they don't even bother sending you a bill for the tolls. I mean, it wouldn't be worth their time to send me a bill for only $4. Nothing's going to happen. Well, after I returned home from my business trip, a month or two went by and nothing happened. And I knew nothing ever would. But then in October, I received a piece of mail that read, Notice of Toll Violation. I was right to a degree. The tollway authority wouldn't bother sending me a bill for a measly $3.90 in tolls. But when you add in a $20 fine for every one of the toll booths I drove past, they did bother sending me a bill for $103.90. I about had a heart attack. They had me dead to rights. They had a photo of my rental car's license plate. They even knew the exact lane number I was in. The fact that months had gone by and nothing had happened didn't mean that nothing was ever going to happen. In a passage concerning the return of Christ, Peter says, get a clue people just because the Lord hasn't come back yet. Don't think for a minute that he won't. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise as some people think, no, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Right? Uh, That bill's never coming. What? There is a day of reckoning coming. Now, the awesome thing is, if your account is in the blood of Christ, reckoning for you is just reconciliation. It's redemption. It is heaven as your home. But if you're not giving your life to Christ, or if you haven't used the gifts the Lord has come, given to you, then reconciliation is something else. Again, this truth, I want to say it clear, and I think I'm speaking to the choir here this morning. Jesus is coming again, and that is not penology. Okay? And I would tell you today, and maybe we could have some debates about different things, I believe in the imminency of his return. In other words, I believe that there's nothing holding him back. I know the Lord has plans, how everything will work out. But I think he could come today. If today was the day, he could come. And so the message is so simple this morning. You catch this, and if you need to rest a little bit, you can. Here's the message. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? Will you be ready when Jesus comes? He is coming again. The scripture gives us this idea, and I, I know you're familiar with it, but it's it's really important as we think about these truths that Jesus often talks about his coming. He comes like a thief. His coming will be like a thief. Let's look again at verse 10, NIV this time. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. And notice the last phrase there, and the NIV has it. Has it changed just a little bit, right? What's that preposition? Instead of till the day of Christ, what's it say? For. For. Paul says, I'm praying for you guys. I want your love to abound. You already have love, and I love that you have love. But I want your love to abound more and more. I want your love to abound in knowledge. I want your love to abound in depth of insight. And I want you guys to be pure and blameless, but notice here, not just till, but for the day of Christ. How many of you want to meet Christ in your worst condition? How many of you, we can just come over to your house after church and everything is okay, right? You can come to the pens, but you're just going to see the mess as it is. I was telling them this morning, we had so many things going on. The tent that I had, Ray and I got rained on out in our tents on a men's retreat, I Spread it all out so it wouldn't get moldy. Well, guess what in the garage? They're still all spread out. I haven't got them put up yet. It's been crazy. I, if, if somebody was coming over and they were going to inspect my garage, today would not be the day. I need to get things cleaned up. The idea here is that I want to be and I want you to be, and Paul says he wants us to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, right? And again, we know, and we're going to see this next week, you don't make yourself pure and blameless. Are you hearing that this morning? It's really important, okay? This is not about you being a better person, a better mom, a better dad, a better whatever. This is about you giving your life to Jesus every day. But Paul says, I want you to pray for one another that you'll be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. How much better would it be to meet Jesus and to have given your heart to him and your days to him and your time to him? How much better to meet Jesus and you've had an impact on people in your neighborhood, people on your workplace, people in your church, people overseas. How much better to beat Jesus, pure and blameless, living a life that was fully given to him, right? For the day of Christ. So as we pray for these things, for this abounding love and this knowledge and discernment and this purity and this blamelessness, or as we talked last week, holiness. We sometimes might need to remember the motivation that is the Lord is coming back. And I want to say this carefully, but clearly this morning. The truth is most people will not be ready for that day. I'm afraid many people in the church will not be ready for the day. And so I ask you again, I'm going to ask you many times this morning, are you ready for the Lord to come back? If Jesus comes in the back doors this morning and he says, I'm taking my church home, what's the the thing to do? If he gave you five minutes, what would be the things you would do with the five minutes you got? Is there somebody you need to call? Is there something you need to confess? Is there something you need to set right? Don't wait. Be Ready. Again, Luke chapter 12, verse 39. Just more reminders of the same truth. Jesus says in Luke 12, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into, right? Another big mistake this morning. I got up, went outside, and I had a big old flat tire in the van. And I looked back in the garage, and guess what? The garage door was open all night. (laughs) Oh, no. If you knew the thief was coming, what would you do? right? Everything would be locked. The cameras would be recording. And you'd have, if you were a a carry person, you'd be carrying that night, wouldn't you? You'd be ready to roll, right? You'd be ready to go. And what Jesus is reminding us, we need to be ready for his coming. Revelation 3, 3, again, at the end of the Bible, same idea. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast, and notice this word, and what? and repent. Don't wait to repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Now, I don't want to spend all this time today about the idea of the thief, but you guys know there are many passages that deal with this very truth. Uh, One of the favorite stories is the, the people who had their lamps, right? And some were trimmed and ready. Some didn't have enough oil. When they went to get oil, the Lord came and they weren't ready to meet him, right? Today, I want you to see, we're going to look a little bit deeper in that passage of Peter that we had the paraphrase for as we started this morning. And I want to encourage you about living your life in light of the Lord's coming. If you would flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3, the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 10 to start with. 2 Peter chapter 3. In verses 8 through 10, I think what you're going to find, it's very interesting to me that Peter and Paul, two completely different people, and they write almost the same thing as it relates to the Lord's coming. Peter says in verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. But instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a what? A thief. (laughs) The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. I hope you've learned this by now. But if you haven't, the Lord's timing is different than yours. Now the Lord has plenty of money to give you, right? If if you need it, He can give it to you. You could ask Him, Lord, can you give me money? And He said, It'll just take a day. What is a day? It's a thousand years, right? Okay, something we need to be mindful of as we think about the Lord's coming is we see things in such a very short time frame, right? I mean, in our society, everything is so instant, and we hardly even can see past a day. But the Lord reminds us that His timing. And our timing are not the same thing. But the really good truth here is this the Lord is patient. Why is the Lord patient? What does he want to do? It's a good picture of our Lord again, isn't it? Right? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is an important free will Baptist verse. Does it say the Lord is not willing that anyone who will be saved and eventually would not perish? You hear the Lord's word there speak, that all means all, doesn't it, right? It's not God's desire that anyone would die lost and go to hell. That's not his desire. His desire is that people would be saved, and his delay is actually, in many ways, more opportunity for people to have an opportunity to know and to be reconciled to him. His desire is for us. If the Lord is giving us time, we must use it. We need to look for every opportunity to live for Christ this week. The Lord's been pounding this on me. Don't assume you will get to do things for Christ a year from now or even a a month from now. We can plan. That's okay. The Lord will guide us in our plans. But don't make that assumption that, well, I don't need to worry about this now. I can probably do that when I retire. If the Lord comes back today, you're not retiring. Right? Make use of what the Lord has given you in the moment. Again, we must must abound in love and discern what is best and be pure and blameless now. Second truth here I want you to see this morning. Again, I just say it clearly because I want people to hear it because I don't think a lot of people believe it. The day of the Lord will come, period. It will happen. Did people think in Noah's day that the flood would come? They thought he was crazy. What is this guy doing? What is he building? That's insane. He thinks there's going to be all this water and it's going to raise up and then his big old boat's going to go up on top of the earth. That man's insane. And it was a long time before that truth came to pass, wasn't it, right? And yet, did it happen to come to pass as the Lord said it would? I promise you, I promise you, as much as I am standing here, Jesus is coming back again. He will. Again, that's not my thinking that is the truth of the scripture. The day of the Lord will come. You can either deny it or you can refuse to believe it. You can spiritualize it like some people do, make it some kind of virtual or spiritual day. But I'm telling you very much physically, Jesus will come again. And the question again is, will you be ready? Now, the question for me is, I know I believe it, but do I live it? What is the difference between those who believe it in their head and not their heart, and those who live it, right? If I told you I was coming to your house and you really didn't believe it, you'd say, oh, that's fine, come over, and you'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to worry about getting things cleaned up. I'm not going to vacuum. I'm not dusting. I'm not straightening the furniture, because I know that preacher, he'll never show up. But if you believed it, what would you do? Your behavior will be different, right? And that's the question for you this morning. If you believe the Lord is coming back, is your behavior different? And so Peter begins to tell us what kind of people we should be. Look down at verse 11. What kind of people? Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Look at this. This is so amazing to me when you compare Paul and Peter. You ought to live holy and godly lives As you look forward to the day of God and speed, it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Verse 13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. What's our prayer in Philippians? (laughs) That you would be pure and blameless. That's by Paul. Peter says, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with the Lord. Again, here in this passage, it's so clear. We see the truth of the imminency of Christ. That means he can return at any moment. How long did it take for the whole world's attention to be focused on Jerusalem? It was like one day, and then that just sucked up every bit of news in the in the whole world, didn't it, right? You would think after all this time, we all know, all the countries of the earth know, those people in the Middle East, they're always going to be fighting, and we would just ignore it. But it was amazing to me that once Hamas made that attack and Jerusalem decided to make, Israel made the counterattack, that was the news, right? Because everybody knows, even in the back of their mind, everybody knows that is the center of significance. And what I'd remind you today is that things can change in a heartbeat when it comes to the Lord's coming. It will take him no time at all to make things prepared and ready for his coming. So Peter's call to us in this passage is that we would have a holy conversation. How's your conversation? you know what that means? Let's have a holy conversation. Does that mean that I go to Megan and say, thou dearest Megan, the Lord be with thee and keep thee. Is that a holy conversation? No, your conversation is your lifestyle. That's what it means. You should have a holy lifestyle. Based on the truth that the Lord is coming back, our conversation should be a holy life. If you need reference, go to crosslifechurch.org last week and listen to the sermon right? Thank you, Roger. (laughs) Because we talked all week long about what it was last Sunday about what it was to live a holy life. We need to be a people, and I love this picture, we need a people whose holiness reaches the needs and hurts of others. Your holiness isn't you wearing a tie and staying away from everybody else that might stain you. Your holiness Means you're going into the nursing home, you're going into the hospital, you're going into the jail, you're going to the homeless, you're going to the refugee, you're going to the hurting. And the Lord says, Your holiness is carrying you into those places to serve those people. And we need to be a holy people, a people of a holy conversation. We need to be a people who live out what they say they believe, a people who actually strive for righteousness. The word Peter uses here is godliness. In other words, People who walk and talk and act like the Lord Jesus. We should be different. And again, I hope that we are. Again, I'm not saying that you're different by your appearance. You probably look like an average American walking around the street, right? Most of you, I would say, do. But you should be different in your demeanor and your character and the way you deal with grief and the way you deal with suffering should be different. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it should be different. And when people see the way that you get into the crucible and the way you depend on the Lord in those situations, your light should shine like stars in a corrupt generation, as we see later on in the book of Philippians. Now, a couple of things here I wanted to look at just briefly. There's a negative and a positive about the Lord's judgment. First, the, the negative idea here that Peter conveys. We should be fearful of the judgment of the Lord. It is a terrible thing i don't want to be found lacking or wanting on that day and i don't want to look back and think of what i could have done with the lord's help i want to do it now but that will be a fearful day if we have not surrendered and given our hearts to the lord there is that definitely picture of judgment the positive though is also there if you notice in that paragraph peter says he is looking to the promise of the new heavens and a new earth where there is righteousness and this should excite the believer. You guys, it was so good to me um, to be there at Robert Viscovich's funeral last week. So if you got to know Robert at all, he was a big music guy. He was a big classic rock guy. And so what was the first song they played at his funeral? It was Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) I was like, okay. And then it just kind of, and I mean, I almost smiled. I probably was smiling out to everybody as i thought about in the midst of this classic rock song the lord is going to give me an opportunity to speak a clear message of jesus who are ready to listen and to hear him it was awesome and so the lord spoke and encouraged people there and then we went out and drove out to the gravesite took a long drive out there to the cemetery and this military funeral is so powerful whenever you hear taps play and you hear Uh, Those guys, the the writings they have are so amazing what they read. Somebody's done such a great job and just an encouraging word. And then I got to read a few scriptures and I read Revelation 20 about the new heaven and the new earth. And what's not going to be there? No more deaths, no more crying, no more pain. The former things are passed away, right? You guys, this is what Peter is saying. This is the positive, why we should be excited about the coming of the Lord. There will be a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. The lamb will be the light. And as we've been talking, even on Wednesday, it is better by far. Our goal from Peter sounds pretty much like Paul's words in Philippians. He uses these phrases. And again, look there again at verse 14, that we would be found spotless and blameless and at peace, pure and blameless. And so again, the phrase comes out this morning. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Briefly look with me at Colossians 1:20. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on the earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I want you to see in this simple paragraph two, two quick things. One, God has his part God's part is that he has reconciled us through Christ's death. And because of Jesus' death, we can be made holy and presented in God's sight as holy without blemish and free from accusation. That is God's part of the equation. Again, you're not going to make yourself clean, but we have our part, Paul says there in verse 23, and that is we must continue in the faith. Do not move away from the hope held out in the gospel. When you think of the Lord's coming for the day of Christ, let it be motivation for you to be pure and blameless through the power of the Lord. One final illustration this morning. We'll be ready to go. This is from Lee Eckloff. He says, Robbie Robbins was an air force pilot during the first Iraq war. And after his 300th mission, he was surprised to be given permission to immediately pull his crew together and fly his plane home. They flew across to Massachusetts, and then they had a long drive through western Pennsylvania. They drove all night, and when his buddies dropped him off in his driveway just after sunup, there was a big banner across the garage that said, Welcome home, Dad. How did they know? No one had called, and the crew themselves hadn't expected to leave so quickly. Robin relates, When I walked into the house, the kids, about half-dressed for school, screamed, Daddy! And Susan came running down the hall, and she looked terrific. Her hair was fixed, her makeup on, and in a crisp yellow dress. How did you know, I asked. I didn't, she answered through tears of joy. Once we knew the war was over, we knew you'd be home one of these days. We knew you'd try to surprise us, so we were ready every day. Ready every day. How about you? Amen, Grayson. (laughs) Can you be ready today for the Lord's coming? Are you ready? Can you live ready? And again, it's not about you being better and working harder at yourself. It's about you giving a heart of surrender to the Lord every morning and every evening, saying, take my life today, use my life today, use my hands, use my feet. Help me to love my family. Help me to love my kids, my grandkids. Help me to love my neighbors. Help me love my coworkers. I want to be ready today. So if the Lord shows up, it'll say, welcome home, Jesus. And it would be like, I thought I was going to catch you like a thief in the night. We could say, uh-uh, we knew you were coming. So we'd be ready every day. Let's stand this morning. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to give you just a a moment here this morning to reflect on what the Lord's truth is and that we want to be ready for his coming. He is coming back hundred percent, no doubt. So we need to be ready as you're standing there this morning. Can you just take a little bit of inventory and be honest with the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that I need to take care of before you come? If you come this evening, is there anything this day Anybody I need to call, any act I need to do, anything in my heart I need to get rid of, I want to be ready when you come. And so I ask the Lord to take care of that inventory today. But then I'm reminded today, too, as we read this passage, that the Lord's patience is actually grace to other people. And there may be people in your life that need Jesus And if you knew the Lord was coming back tonight, you'd be on the phone right after church and you'd be saying, hey, we need to talk. My guess is the Lord needs us to talk even this week, if he does tarry this week. And so I want to challenge you, even as you're standing there this morning, open your heart to the Lord, ask him to guide and prompt your thoughts and your steps. And if there's someone you need to be talking to, that they would once again have one more opportunity to hear the gospel, that you might be the person to give that opportunity. Let's just take a moment together. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself this morning. And ask the Lord us to be ready every day for His.